guys ready to hear the good word? It's always a good word when you read the Bible. So yeah, we're just going to wait on the Lord. I felt like I was supposed to read something out of um, the book of Isaiah, but I just want to wait on God. Sound good? It's always good to wait on God. Father, we just say thank you. God, thank you for so many promises in the word of God about those who wait upon you. God, and how they'll gain new strength. God, strength they've never had, strength that only comes from heaven. God, help us to be a kind of people that don't take life into our own hands and God, just try to run out ahead, but that we would just rely on you and trust you. Uh, throughout the Old Testament, you said you never just delighted in the strength of the horse, God, and what they could do in their own strength and army, but that you delighted in those that just rested in you and trusted in you and let you fight the battle. So God, we just want to be a people that just say, God, you are God and we believe. And just the crowning revelation of, of the Old Testament was our God reigns. And, uh, you know, that is just the truth. When you sum it all up, it's just our God reigns. He reigns over depression. He reigns over suicide. He reigns over the things that war against us, you know, sins that we've committed. Like he just reigns and sits supreme above everything. And our God is in the heavens, it says, and he does whatever he wishes. Yes? So, hey, I just want to read you something out of the book of Isaiah. And it's just the good news. It's really the gospel, but it's summed up a little bit different. But it's the ministry of Jesus. And if you don't know this, what I'm about to read you is actually the first thing that came out of the mouth of Jesus. So when he steps into his ministry, it says in Luke 4, he took the scroll, he opens it, and he reads Isaiah 61. And then it's the ultimate mic drop. He just like walks away and sits back down. And everyone's like, whoa. You know, and he says, this has been fulfilled today in your midst. And here's what he reads. He says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness, so they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Woo! Our God is into exchanging. Did someone pick up on that? He's into exchanging our mourning for joy, you know, our heaviness for praise. He's always looking to exchange what you're carrying for what he's carrying. And as we get into the place of belief and faith, you begin to exchange these things in God and start walking in the fullness of him. And in, in goal, guys, that we would grow up to be oaks of righteousness. That's a sign of maturity, that we would grow mature trees here. And as we get up and we grow up, what do we do? They glorify God. They glorify God. Guys, we're most alive when we're glorifying God. Somebody. We're most alive when the, when the eyes are off of us and they've turned on to him. We don't do well when we keep it looking in and trying to figure ourselves out and figure life out and define ourselves by our Enneagram number. I am a three two, but whatever. But that's not gonna be my identity, right? He's bigger than that. 
We're going to pivot from Galatians. I may sprinkle it in there today, but I want to just talk about Jesus. I want to talk about the kingdom. I want to talk about his glory. All week, I've been just like, Jesus, the, the glory of you. There's more of you, God. There's more of you for our church. There's more of you for our city. There's more of you for our lives individually. Like, we don't want to settle. Like, there's more of heaven for all of us today. I don't know what you're experiencing of God, but there's more. You know, and the currency of heaven is hunger. It's desire. My prayer for you guys all the time, and I'm not trying to, like, make this sound spiritual. It literally is for you all the time, along with my own earthly kids and myself, that we would have passion. Jesus, give us passion. Give us desire. Give us hunger. Like, I'm constantly praying for those things because those are the things that are going to motivate you and keep you moving forward in God. And when you lose passion and when you lose desire, you turn to other things, lesser lovers, lesser desires, lesser pleasures, when there's a superior pleasure right here at all times. You know, hunger in the spirit realm is so different than hunger in the natural, because in the natural, it's like you get hungry when you haven't eaten anything. But in the spiritual, it's the upside down kingdom. The more you eat, the hunger you get. The more you taste, the more you see, the more you want God. This is why we have to keep putting ourselves before him, even when we don't feel like it. Because he's going to continue to feed us and speak to us. And some things are happening in your spirit and you don't even know it. And you're trying to figure it out in your emotions and God's doing something in your spirit. And establishing you in the truth. I can't tell you how many seasons I've been through that were challenging and difficult seasons that have prepared me for this season. And for future seasons. And God has a bigger thing going on. It's bigger than what you're going through. He sees generations. We're Westerners. We think individualistic, not the kingdom. It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They think family. They think future generations. They think we're going to pass this baton, just like Krista coming to the Lord here. She's passing a baton now to others that are going to be coming through. You too, Nate. The Lord bless you. <laughs> two life verses that God's given Holly and me one is John 15 and that was our whole wedding theme and that's just about the abiding life apart from Jesus you can do nothing the other is Matthew 6 33 and 34 the last two verses in that chapter and it says this seek first the kingdom Jesus, this is out of the mouth of Jesus seek first the kingdom and my righteousness in all things not most, not some, all things will be added unto you. Don't be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Guys, when we become people of the kingdom, we realize it's a lot bigger than us. It's a lot bigger than our local church. It's a lot bigger than Isla Vista. It's a lot bigger than Santa Barbara, than California. It's about the nations. It's about the nations. That Jesus literally is the desire of the nations. We need a revelation of the kingdom. And if you don't know this, this was Jesus' main message. He literally came to say, this is what the kingdom is like. This is what the world I've come from actually looks like, how we handle things, how we do things. I'm bringing my kingdom, my home, into your earth. 
Seek first the kingdom above everything else. Make this your highest priority. Your biggest desire is his kingdom. And what I love about seeking the kingdom is it dwarfs our small story and invites us into a larger story. Something that's bigger than what we're going through. That our prayers actually matter because you can shape history through prayer. Listen to Habakkuk. However you say that, think so. He's a prophet and it's a book in the Bible in the Old Testament. He says, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as water covers the sea. Somebody, where's the defibrillators? Boom. Dude, I mean, the guy had a vision that the earth would be filled with the glory of God as the waters covers the seas. I mean, that is a vision that God's glory, who he is being manifested, would hit the whole earth as much as water, as you guys know how much water takes up, covers the seas here. I mean, guys, we need a vision that the prophets had. We need a vision that the disciples had. We need a vision that Jesus was inviting us into for the glory of God. And Paul said that the glory of God would be in the face of Jesus Christ. That when you see the face of Jesus, you would see the Father in all of his outshining. And if you know the story in Exodus, Moses is like, show me your glory. How bold was he to ask God to show him his glory? And it says that God put him in the cleft of the rock. He just hit him because it was just going to be too much. And he goes by him and it says, all his goodness went past me. What is the glory of God? It's the goodness of God. This stuff will make you hungry. Is anyone here today? We're missing some people, but you guys are here. That's good. Okay. I have to fight against this. Maybe some of you do too. But it's easy to wake up each day for yourself. It's easy to wake up for yourself each day. But as more of the revelation of his kingdom and his glory grabs a hold of us, we're starting to wake up each day for God and for others. But if you're not careful, you will wake up each day for you and not for him and not for others. Which is why I try to get in a habit of going on my knees when I wake up in the morning. Because I'm trying to remind myself this day is about God. And, and in, in God, it's about other people. And how, do I, how can I possibly consider others more important than myself unless God grabs a hold of my heart to do that? <clears throat> I'll tell you, one of the scariest things for me, at least, is if I'm not going after his kingdom, then I'm going to start building my own kingdom. And I'm going to be way more concerned about my name and my fame than his name and his fame. Is that not the truth? If we're not caught up with the kingdom of God, we'll get caught up with our own kingdoms, building our own like sanctuaries, doing our own thing. And there's nothing wrong. I'm not saying there's wrong with owning houses and cars and all those things. Bless you in that. But the heart, the heart knows, is this about him or is this about me? Is this about my kingdom or is this about God's kingdom? And I'm so convinced, guys, and I'm sorry if this is like, 
you know, good teaching should take you from like the known to the unknown. I kind of just threw you in the deep end. Some of you are like, kingdom? Never heard a thing like that. It's very biblical. Um, but I believe, guys, that if, if the kingdom revelation that Jesus is king, that he's bringing his kingdom down into here, this can alleviate so many problems in our life. So many, because so many of our problems are self-afflicted. We're taking life personal. We're taking what's happening to us so personal when we should be taking Jesus and his kingdom way more personal. Does this make sense? I can't tell you how many people have done me wrong over the years, you know? I'm not like, oh, poor me. At times I have gone that. But then when I get into the secret place, you know what God says? Like, what did you sign up for, for Jason? Why did you even get in this? And he always brings me back. I got in this for you, Jesus. I got in this for the kingdom. And when I get that, it just frees me again to be like, I'm all in. Why was I taking that so personal? This isn't even about me. This is about Jesus. Some of you guys know my story. I won't go into it. But in 2001, man, I got ambushed by the love of God. And in that encounter, in the place of worship, first time I've ever come really to church, I hear God say as clear as day, Jason, what are you living for? That was the good news 20 years ago for me. That is still the good news today. That I'm not alive for me. I'm actually alive for Jesus. <laughs> and when, I, when, when I'm about him and about the kingdom, because this is a family business. We're part of the family of God, right? This is a hard crowd today. The Lord bless you guys. That's all good. Yep. Yeah, I'll just, it's ministering your spirit. Your, your soul's like, I don't know. Your spirit's like, yes, give it to me. <laughs> but it's like, what are we alive for? Are we waking up for ourselves? Because that's a zero. When we wake up for him, when we turn it back to Jesus and others, we're alive. We are alive. I mean, some of you have told this story before, man. I was in a bad place. I've been in a bad place many times where like, my soul is just like, hmm. You know, but it was a season of a lot of loss. And it was a, it was a heartache season, probably 09, some of the ICU uh, years out here in this church. And I remember going to this church service. It was at Veronica Springs. It was called First Baptist back then, you know, a bunch of Baptists. I'm like, that sounds good. I'm going to go hide in the back, you know. So they're just worshiping, and I'm like, I'm hiding, you know. And all of a sudden, the spirits are like just nudging me, like, go pray for that person. I'm like, I'm here, and I'm not doing well. Why would I pray for someone? I was like, just go pray. I'm like, mm. You know, I get over to the person. Dude, the Spirit of God drops, prophecy drops, right? They're in tears. I'm like, that's awesome. And I just like go. I probably prayed for like 10 Baptists that day. You know, the spirit just like flowed through me incredibly, you know, and it's all God. And I left there and it was just the revelation of like, you find your life, Jason, when you lose it. You don't find it by trying to find it. You actually find it by giving it up, by losing it for me and for others. Hebrews 11, guys. These are Old Testament saints. They didn't even have the cross, the resurrection, all those things. It says in Hebrews 11, they were seeking a city that has foundation, whose architect and builder is God. Come on. They were seeking a city that had foundations, whose architect and builder is God. They had a vision for something so much bigger. They were seeking the unseen city because if you do not know this and you haven't read the end of the book, A, we win. Hello, you're on the winning team. Two, is heaven's going to come to earth and they're going to merge. 
And they were seeking that city that has foundations, its architect and builder is God. And this is what you're doing right now if you don't know that. We're ushering heaven and the purposes of heaven into earth. It is so good. There's only one time in scripture where Jesus is like, I'm going to teach you guys how to pray. And when he brings them into the school of prayer, the first thing he says is pray this way. Our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. What does that even mean? Magnify the name of God. Glorify the name of God. Exalt the name of God. Make that name the name above all names. This is the invitation he's giving us out of the, the lane of self and into his lane of freedom. But the way you get out of it is you start by God, hallowed be your name, magnify your name, glorify your name, exalt you, honor you, I bless you. It's not about me, it's about you. And then he goes on to say, your kingdom come. Wait, I thought Mike, no, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This was the model of prayer, but this was the model for our life to live out of. And if you go on, it ends with says, yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory. So if you step back from that, you have five yours. Your name, your kingdom, your will, your power, your glory. There is the on-ramp to freedom. And that is hard in a generation that is so individualistic and about self. And we live in America and we're like, Independence Day. I'm independent. I'm a self-made man. It's like heaven's like, that stinks. That smells like the enemy. Crap. Where God's like, get lower. Stay humble. I don't delight in the strength of horses. I don't delight in the arm of man. That's why he had a Gideon army he took from 32,000 down to 10, down to 300. Against like hundreds of thousands. And who won? Gideon and God. Who do you think gets the glory when that happens? God. See, we're in a generation that's like self-confidence. I'm confident. We need God confidence. God will literally strip you of your strength. He'll deplete your strength in places so that you would glorify him and not yourself. Some of you are trying to like, get this weakness off me. That's the very thing that you're finding God in. I've always been the person to get pushed to the front. I'm like, wait, why am I going there? Oh, the mic. My first sermon was like nine minutes. I spoke so fast. If you think I speak fast today, I was flying through that thing. I sat down and someone was like, that was good, but you were really fast. I was like, yeah, Jesus. You know? It's like, God just, he, he's looking for your dependency. Not for your like, oh, I got this. And if you got this, no, you don't got this. I have boys have all been obsessed with Legos. Every one of them. They have like, you know, they're moving on. Samuel's donated all of his Legos. Jeremiah's in partnership with his Legos with Isaac. He'll be pulling out soon. Isaac will be like, oh, I'm rich. Look at all my Legos. You know. But, you know, if you've been to Legoland, anyone? You're just like, dang, there's some creations here made of Legos at Legoland. And when you go back home, you're not going to be like, my creation is amazing. You're going to be like, 
dude, that was nuts. Try and do that servant thing, you know, use a story titan. That's like the kingdom. Okay, that's like the kingdom. It truly is. It's like, you're just like, wow, God. You know, and you might have your little kingdom, but it's like, it's not wow over. It's wow. Guys, can we just say this together? Heaven is real. Heaven is now. And heaven is coming to earth. That's the truth. Guys, heaven is as real as it gets. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Little bell, you just step out, you dip, boom, you're just like, oh, God, hey. I mean, heaven is now, like right now. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Heaven is now. And heaven is coming. There's a kingdom that's coming. Like the fulfillment of it. No more pain, no more tears, no more sickness, no more wars, no more nothing. But God, what he intended it to be. This is the hope of the believer. That there's a future for us guys and it's glory. And I don't mean this to be like a negative Nancy or like, well that sucks Jason, what I'm about to say. But the reality is this, the older you get, the harder it is to seek first the kingdom, to make it about Jesus. Anyone 35 and up can testify? Maybe a few of us? Okay, a few of us. Yeah. There's not a lot of 35 and ups in this church. And some of them have it dialed, so don't worry about those people. And others of us don't. Um, and honestly, it gets more challenging the older you get. I need you guys to hear that because sometimes in our young 20s and whatever, we're just like, Jesus, Jesus. And that is awesome. But the stakes are going to get higher as you get older to choose to crown him king, to not settle for lesser pleasures, to not build your own kingdom, but to stay eyes on him. I mean, Holly and I just had dinner a little while back with this couple, and it's like they're in a friend group. They were crowning Jesus king, running after the kingdom, the passions, and then all of a sudden, it just started going a little like this. It wasn't that Jesus was out of the mix, right? We're like, I include Jesus in my golf game, you know? I bring him to church, you know? But he wasn't their all in all. And they started drifting as the stakes were getting higher and they were getting older. When I was young in the Lord, probably 22, we'll say, 23. No, maybe 21, 22, because I don't think we were married. We got connected with this incredible couple. Revolutionized me, because I've never seen a family live for God, right? I'm just around young people. Peter and Tammy Russell, some of you remember Layton. This is how I know I'm getting older. He was like five when I went and visit them down in LA. Layton's already passed through, got married, and he's in Denver, I think, too, right? Yep, perfect. Um, but I'm down, we're down there, and I remember this as clear as day because this story just. But he's like, Jason, he's like, when I was in college and right after we all, me and these three couples, you know, my wife and me and these three couples got, we all got married. Am I saying the story correctly? Okay, it doesn't sound weird. Okay, they all married like, yeah, okay. Um, and they were all sold out for the Lord. They were sold out. They were like, we're going to the mission field. We're going to the nations. We're going to crown Jesus king. This is what we're doing. But he said, as the years went on, they were the only couple to go to Tanzania and to go to the nations and continue to crown Jesus king. Others drifted in other things. 
And it's just so easy to Jesus drift. It's so easy to just, you know, you burn for a season and then you drift into other things. And that's why me and Holly, I'll tell you right now, we are so thankful for this community, for Isla Vista, for the people we do life with. Like you challenge me in the best way. You really do. But I'll tell you, if you're in America, you have to be voluntarily desperate. There's not always gonna be things that cause that. You know, David said, I humbled my soul with fasting. Oh, I'm gonna tell you a line right now that it plagued me for a long time. It's about fasting, sorry. Only the hungry will fast. And uh, I don't wanna go into fasting right now because like that conviction could come too strong, Lord. You know, I don't like to fast, but I will. Um, but man, fasting will do something. It will do something. And there's three things that Jesus talks about. Do these in secret. Shh. Your father will reward you. Praying. Everyone's like, yeah, praying. Giving. People are like, yeah, yeah, pray, give, give. That's good. Fasting. People are like, oh, no. Do not. Don't you know I need coffee in the morning? No. I'll fast candy. I'll fast candy, exactly. Yeah. Or they'll fast from dinner to breakfast. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm. Hang on with laughter of kids. There's a parable that Jesus shares and he says, if you don't understand this one, you're not understanding any of them. Fair, right? If Jesus said it, we should probably pay attention to it. And it's the parable of the sower. And uh, you, know, you can find it in Mark 4. I think it's in all the Gospels, but probably not John. Um, but you've got to understand that parable. And so if you haven't read it recently or you're like a little confused by that, I'd read it. But in this parable, there's these soils, and they represent heart conditions. And then there's a seed, which is, you know, Jesus throwing out the word of God, the seeds. And uh, they land on different soil. You know, one of the soils is very fruitful and very good. But one of the soils is the thorns. And he describes the thorns like this. He says, the thorns, when the seed drops into those, he describes them as the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things come in and choke out the life. And guys, I can't believe he said that 2,000 years ago. Look at the days we're in today. The worries of the world, so many people are just spinning. The deceitfulness of riches, you know, thinking money's gonna save us. The desire for other things, let's not even try to unpack that one, right? This is a sobering message, it's supposed to be. But it's like, these things are real. These thorns are real. And they're coming to choke out the very life of God that God is giving us today in Him. The Sermon on the Mount, if you're like, oh, I don't even know what to read these days, just read the Sermon on the Mount. 
Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's like, when Jesus wanted to understand like what the government of God was like, what heaven was like, how things operate, he just dropped like some heavy revelation in the Sermon on the Mount. Things that will require the grace of God to live out. Impossible to do the Sermon on the Mount apart from the grace of God. I remember I was stoned or shrooming one of the two and I read a Bible because my sister was a Christian and I'm like highlighting things and then I don't remember doing this, but I did it. And then later when I was a Christian, I'm like reading these highlight things. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. But I couldn't even live those things out. They were like condemning until the spirit of God came in and then it was like a joy, right? To love enemies, pray for those who persecute you. It's like, how can you do that without Jesus? No, no, no. But listen what he says. This is the first thing Jesus opens up with in the Sermon on the Mount. We probably want to pay attention. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for there's the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> Come on. Blessed, happy, joyful, blissful. You can exchange us. Are the, the happiest people are those that are poor in spirit. There's the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Somebody. Wow. I mean, happy are the needy people. The people that, are, that, that have realized I need God. They're dependent. Those are going to be the happiest, blissful people. And Jesus is like, and there's my kingdom for those people. Wow. I don't even know what else to say. I'm just like, that is such a good word, Jesus. That the happiest people would be those that realize their need for God. That's why in James it says, the poor would be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which you promise to those who love them. There's just something about a dependency on heaven. And I tell you, if you want to live dependent, you can't think you're going to control your life. Mm -mm -mm. And that's a hard thing because we're Americans. And I'll do what I want when I want. That ain't the kingdom. The kingdom is God have your way. The father of our faith is Abraham. He's called to a place not knowing where he's going to receive an inheritance. goal actually isn't to control one's life it's to surrender one's life I want to read you guys something someone needs to hear this this is in 1 Corinthians 6 or do you not know that your body your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit that's so heavy guys your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit if we understood the Old Testament and how much they revered the temple and the glory of God in it, you're literally the carrier of God. You're the house of God. That's who you are. So he says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have from God, and that you're not your own? For you've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. Wow. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Well, what price? The death of Jesus on the cross. God crucified for you, for me, to give us his life, that we would lose our life so we can actually have the very life of God living in us today. 
oh, I wish I could just like, those defibrillators again just hit you guys right now. It is way too just like, oh, that's cool. You are the temple of God. The spirit of God lives in you. You're not your own. And we're called to glorify God with what? Our bodies. Yeah, our bodies. What we're watching, what we're listening to, what we're eating, consuming. Literally, this isn't my own. It belongs to him. And since we're in a super sobering talk right now, I'm just going to bring it. But everything on the judgment day, the day of judgment, you're going to get hit with fire. And it's going to burn away everything that's not of God. Everything was with the wrong motive, with the wrong heart, the things. You know, and it's a reward. It's a day of rewarding. So don't worry. I've told you this before. The judge is Jesus. He loves you. But all that stuff goes. And what's left is what you did for him in the kingdom. Nothing else matters on that day. I don't care what you built on earth. Heaven's all like, oh, you did that? That's like, I made you smart. You should have stewarded that. He wouldn't say it like that, but you know. Like sometimes people get caught up in their gifting. It's like, you could have been born with like cerebral, oh, have you ever heard say that word? Thank you, that. You could have been born with other ailments. But you didn't. You were given the gifts you have and the mind you have and the abilities to give them back to God. Corey Ten Booth, an incredible missionary. She would see amazing things. God would do amazing things in her life and work through her and miracles and salvations. But at the end of the day, she would see it like a bouquet of roses, all the good things God did. And then she would be like, God, and just hand it back to him. Isn't that good? She would just hand it all back. She's like, it was all from you. Which is why like in the book of Revelations, when Jesus shows up, there's elders on a throne right now. So just no offense, no one's getting a throne. At least not that throne. There's already 24, they're all taken. Um, But live for Jesus. But when Jesus shows up, so they're governing, they're ruling, because God's all about sharing his authority. You know, he wants to do life with us, use us, you know, in the, in the healthiest sense, like his people. He's a great dad. I want my kids in the mix. But when Jesus shows up, they throw their crowns. They just toss their crowns. And then it's like, Jesus, Jesus. They're just not impressed with what their little crowns on their head. Shake him, God. Shake it up, shake it up. I told you I'd sprinkle a little Galatians. You ready for a little sprinkle? Yeah. Just on top, you know, with some, some. Galatians 5.1. It was for freedom that Christ set you free. Don't be subject again to the yoke of slavery. It was for freedom that Jesus set you free. Don't be, again, subject to the yoke of slavery. Whether that's the law, whether that's idols that you've created or other things, they're going to bring you back into bondage. He set you free. He set you free so you can live a free life. Well, Jason, what is my freedom for? Oh, let me tell you what the Word of God says. I got you. Galatians 5.13. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for your flesh, but through love serve one another. 
Someone needs to hear that because you're like, I don't even know what my freedom was for. I'm telling you. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only don't turn your freedom into opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. Oh, don't judge me, man. I can watch Game of Thrones. I have freedom. I can watch this. I can do that. What was your freedom for? Not for yourself, but through love that you can serve others. That is what real freedom should do. It should free you up to be a blessing to people, to serve people, to lay your life down for people, to consider them more important than yourself. That's what Jesus' freedom does. It's not so you can go do what you want to do, live how you want to live, but I'm a Christian and I have freedom and there's grace. Fine, he's going to love you, but that's not the life you were called into. It was to be free to be all about him and the kingdom of God. Hmm. There's so much in the church. Okay, I'm, I'm on a rampage today, but anyway, there's so much in the church about like leadership. You know, it's like we just take the culture of the world. We're like, hey, leaders. It's like, sure. Oh my gosh. More authority means more feet to wash. Let's just drop that there, boom. Leadership, all leadership, is serving others. And really what we should be trumpeting is followership. Jesus said, follow me. He didn't say, so you can be a leader. He said, follow me. And then he says, we don't like this one. Deny yourself, oh, come on. Me, why would I deny me? Take up your cross. We just like, I just want to wear a necklace. I don't want to do a cross. I mean, cross. And follow me. I mean, come on. Take up your cross? That was crucifixion. We're so removed from those days. A naked person hanging there? Completely just, you can't even recognize Jesus? And you die on crucifixion through suffocation. Eventually you can't keep your body up and it just gives way. It's the worst kind of death ever. God was crucified on your behalf and my behalf that we would have life. So when they heard take up the cross, it was like, say what? It wasn't like, it was like, you're going to go real low. That's why guys, we're past offense. If you're offended in life, you got to go to the cross. He died not only for your sins, but the ones that were committed against you. Did someone hear that? He died for not only your sins, but the ones that were committed against you. It goes both ways. Forgiveness is a two-way street here. Hmm. I think I better stop. I better stop. Something could be unrefined. God help me. Anyway, Sermon on the Mount will speak, will speak the, all the sermon you need.